Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Today's scripture is Acts 14, 21 through 28, the return to Antioch in Syria. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barabbas appointed elders for them in each church, and with their prayers and fasting committed them to the Lord, in whom they put their faith with trust. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they preached the word in Perga, they went down to Antilia. From Antilia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had done now. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done to them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples, the word of the Lord. So, uh, a couple Wednesdays ago, I had the opportunity to go bike riding with an old friend. Uh, he... Uh, he came up in the area, and him and his son, they wanted to bike through the city of Philadelphia. And so we started out in the neighborhood of Maniunk, and we biked all the way to Old City and back. And that was my first time to ride a bicycle through the streets of Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, it, it went okay. You have to keep your head on a swivel, and sometimes just, you know... As the kids say, YOLO, you only live once. YOLO, you kind of just have to YOLO a little bit um, and hope you don't get hit uh, by a bus or another pedestrian or a car or another bike. Um, but no, it, it went really well. It, were, it went well. And uh, on our way back, uh, if you know the area, on Kelly Drive, Boathouse Row, um, my back tire felt like it like hit a hit a snag or something. I felt my my rear end kind of move a little bit. And then uh, next thing you know, I could not keep up with my friends, the two guys in front of me. And uh, I was looking at their legs, and they, they did not seem to be biking that hard, but they kept getting further and further ahead of me. And I was like, cranking it, like really going, really trying to, to push, a lot of, lot of effort. And I'm thinking, man, am I this out of shape? Again, they're they're just like, you know, nice chill biking, at, but like they're cruising, and I'm I'm like biking as if this is a race. I'm mountain biking, and and I'm like trying to crush it or something. Except I wasn't crushing it. Turns out we eventually they they like they're like man like Cam's far behind, so they stopped. By the time I made it up to them, we found out I had a slow leak in my back tire. That's what happened. I had, a, I had a flat tire or it was becoming flat. And it was, it just shocked me. Like, I guess I don't have that much experience with flat tires. Like, it was tremendously so much harder to ride a bike with a flat tire. And I kept trying to go a little bit. We actually, uh, we found a, a fellow biker. He had like a little pump and a little bit of the air went back into my t- tire. That only lasted like a minute. Um, and then it went flat again. And so, long story short, they ended up uh, leaving me at the East Falls area there on Kelly Drive. 
they continued to bike back to Maniunk to get the pickup truck. They came back and then took me up. So about 20 minutes, uh, I was just, you know, kind of stranded on the streets of Philadelphia, uh, hoping that they would come back for my rescue. <laughs> but yeah, I was just so amazed at how much harder it was to bike with a flat tire. And so it got me thinking, you know, how much harder it is in life when we get flat tires. Emotional flat tires, physical flat tires, financial flat tires, spiritual, moral, mental, so on. And I was just wondering, I'm like, how many of us are actually not that far from pedaling super well? We just got that flat tire that that keeps us back, that keeps us back. And you know, we, as we uh, live and, and seek out the kingdom of God, sometimes we do run, we run a flat. We're trying to pedal forward, uh, but there's just too much friction. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes the solution isn't to just keep applying more and more effort. The solution isn't trying to change gears. Also, the solution isn't just to throw your bike into the river and give up. No, what's really needed is community. We, we need help from another to help us get back to where we need to go. And you know who's a good helper? It's God. That's our Sunday school answer for today. God is our good helper. Psalm 118, 6 and 7 says, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. He is my helper. God is our helper. May we proclaim that today and believe that. And I believe that God does show up and can show up. He will show up in amazing ways. And I always want to be open and ready for that. But I've noticed often how God chooses to show up is that he chooses to work through his people. God puts people in our life for a reason. We're people, and we're built for relationships. We are inherently relational. Every self here is formed through the interactions. We are shaped and formed through the interactions with with each other. And when we hit those bumps in the road, when we get a flat tire, it's, it's through family, it's through community. It's a mom or a dad or a brother, a sister. It's through relational bridges with people. That is a big way how God brings his help, how God brings his peace and his grace and his mercy, his justice. He uses his people to strengthen our souls. And there's a story illustrates this in Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. So so last week, uh, we took a look at Paul and Barnabas, how they were called. The Holy Spirit was there, and, and the, the, the church at Antioch sent them out. And they started what we call Paul's first missionary journey. It was about 12 to 18 months, we're guessing, about 1,200 miles by land, 500 miles by sea. So this is quite the trip back in first century days, right? Well, during uh, this missionary journey, they ended up in the city of Lystra. And they were doing ministry there, and, and, and cool things were happening. 
But then there were there were non-believing Jews showed up in Lystra, and they stirred up the crowd, and eventually the city turned on Paul. Paul ended up getting stoned in Lystra, and then they thought he was dead. They dragged his body outside the city gates. Okay, and so the the, the disciples they they circle Paul's body, expecting him to really be dead and stay dead. Now, he, he, he didn't die, but, but what happened was, Paul, he gets back up. It's like he gets dragged out of this, he gets stoned, dragged out of the city. The disciples circle him, and then Paul gets back up. And then I love this in the story. Paul just goes right back into the city that just stoned him. You know, like, it's just amazing. And so that's the story there. Um, and then once they wrap up in Lystra, they head over to the city of, of Derby. And then it says in Acts chapter 14 that they preached the gospel in Derby. And they won a large number of disciples. And then they went back to Lystra. Again, this dangerous city where Paul was recently stoned. They went back to Lystra. Then they moved on to Iconium and, and Antioch. And it says that they were strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And that's a, that's a part of the verse there that, that I want you to focus on. You know, Paul, he survived a, a stoning. He might look really messed up, if you think about that. Like, he, he bruises, his body bears the scars of being hit with stones. Paul and Barnabas, they might just be worn down from all this traveling this, this missionary journey. But you know what? They are compelled to share the message of Jesus Christ. They, they continue to preach the good news. And as you notice there, they, they are there to strengthen the church. Better translations say they were strengthening the souls of the disciples. Strengthening the souls. Paul and Barnabas were soul strengtheners. And they were encouraging the church. Hey, don't give up on Jesus. Stay true to the faith. And then there's this little one-liner that we have recorded for us. They say, we must go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, real quick, is life as God intended it to be. It's a part of our hope. Someday we get perfect life. Life as God intended it to be, it's going to be perfect. We look forward to that. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Kingdom is also breaking into our present reality today. It's what we are supposed to be praying for. Kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Not everything is perfect yet. But kingdom is breaking in. It's arriving. The kingdom of God is at hand. And we're invited to seek this out. This alternative kingdom lifestyle that is shaped through the life of, of Jesus. But Paul says, hey, as we live this alternative lifestyle, as we live this Sermon on the Mount lifestyle, we're going to face hardships. Some things are going to get really hard. Life doesn't get easier being a Christian. And sometimes we're in ministry as we seek out this kingdom stuff, everyday kingdom stuff. We're going to go through it. Tribulation, trials, ordeals, suffering, persecution. 
when Jesus talks about the narrow gate. Narrow, you know, get the word like discipline and like, you know, you are choosing the hard, narrow, the, the, the harder path, not the wide comfort path. You know, we're going to face some stuff. And as we go deeper into the kingdom of God, as we're seeking out what God has in store for us, Paul and Barnabas, they're being real. They're like, yeah, you know what? Actually, we are going to get wounded. And most of our wounds probably won't be visible. Some of us, as we're seeking out the kingdom of God, we're, we're going to get flat tires. There's going to be hardships. There might be some days where we just want to ditch the bike. And you know what? This is why we need community. This is why we need a soul strengthener. And so let me ask you this morning, I, I invite you to partake in this mentally here. Think about this. Three questions today. Our first question is this. Who can you be a soul strengthener to this week? Who can you be a soul strengthener to this week? Paul and Bartimus, sure, they're probably worn out. I mean, Paul's probably still recovering from being stoned, but he still, he was there to serve. Some of us, yeah, it's like we, we, we need the help too, and God knows that. But even in our, our weakness, Christ makes us strong. Who can you be a soul strengthener to this week? Who in your life is facing some tribulation? They need some reinforcement. Maybe their, their, their soul, their spirit is just a little bit weakened. And they just need some good old-fashioned Jesus love to prop them up a little bit. Who can you encourage with words of affirmation, acts of kindness, perhaps just a little bit of generosity in the kingdom of God? It, it will go far. Who can you bless this week? Who can you encourage today to remain true to the faith. Once again, Paul and Barnabas, they are being so honest here in ways that we can't explain, going and growing through hard things. It, it is going to make us stronger as we seek out the kingdom of God. Being refined is not a comfortable process, but there is this peace that transpasses all understanding that, that, will, that will come. From the inside out. As we seek out the, the kingdom of God, what, what happens is God like whispers, He says, I'm with you. You don't need to be dismayed. That's an awesome word, isn't it? Dismayed. I'm gonna try to use that this week. Don't be dismayed. I'm with you. You got this, child, because I got this. And there's peace. And again, the, the externals, life doesn't get easier, but there's this kingdom peace that starts to grow. And as we go through hard things and we wrestle, it's those hard things that make us stronger. And we, we, we find that, that Jesus peace, that, that, that Jesus um, confidence builds inside of us. And along that way, we need support in community. So who can you support this week? Who can you support this week? And as we talk about being a, a soul strengthener, as we talk about supporting others, our second question is this. How can you support the leaders of the church? 
Check out verse 23. Paul and Barnabas, they appointed elders for them in each church, and with fasting and prayer, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. All right, these are local leaders. In the house churches there, in each city, they're appointed, chosen to be to be elders. Now, in the New Testament, shepherd, bishop, which means overseer, elders, they're, they're used interchangeably in the New Testament. But when we read this verse, in verse 23, we need to read it and understand it in the context of, of house churches. Right? These are everyday people appointed be leaders of the of this, uh, you know, they, they are homegrown leaders, called to to lead, and and they're called to lead through horizontal relationships. To be the elder of, of the household church, it doesn't mean hierarchy, but really what we see as we study this in the New Testament is you lead by example. For example, when Paul writes letters to Pastor Timothy and Pastor Titus. What he says is lead by example. Be an example for the church. Timothy, I know you're young. Be an example for the church. And then Paul is even brave enough to write in 1 Corinthians, follow my example as I follow Christ. Okay? These house churches, the, the elders, they're, they're there to oversee. It's, it's a responsibility. And Paul and Barnabas, they, they recognize that these house churches, yeah, they, they need an overseer. It is a, a responsibility. And some of you may, may recall this. You might have heard me say this before. First comes the organic, then comes the organized. And so God, he's, he's raising up leaders. These house churches now have an overseer, an elder, and, and, and church leaders of all formats and functions. Let us be reminded that they are people too. So in our modern age, church leaders, yeah, it includes pastors, but there's also lay leaders and worship leaders. There's leaders in administration, maintenance leaders. Here in our context, we have uh, ministry council, chairs, officers. And what I'm about to say is not for me, okay? But I want you to know and see those who are in ministry, administration, and church council roles. We, we won't get into who does what and, and, and kind of who, who's who and who does what. We won't get into that right, right now. But I want you to think, at least in our context right here at Plymouth Meeting Church, I want you to, to know and see them, recognize but yeah, they, they've been given a responsibility. doesn't mean that they're better than you or anything like that, but they, they're carrying this responsibility in this season of their life. And let me tell you, our leaders need your support. They don't want to do the work that they've been commissioned to do alone. They need your help. And you know, Jesus modeled a great ministry attitude and John 5, 19. He says, The Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees His Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And as the African proverb goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, 
go together. And guess what? Our church, our congregation, is designed to go far. The initial idea and dream of this church dates back to the 1840s. We were officially established in 1876. It's 2022. You can do the math. Don't ask me. But, like, we are here. We are designed to go far, and we go far with each other. And so I just want to encourage all of you. When we come up alongside of one another, our volunteer leaders here, when we come up, come up alongside of our, our leaders and our commission chairs, I just want to encourage you to, to ask, hey, I see you. I, I, I want to help. What can I do to help? How can I support you? Because we're able to do so much more for the kingdom of God when we go together. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Labor, Ecclesiastes 4, 9. So as we continue to talk about church today, we are a kingdom outpost. It's one of my favorite illustrations of like, what, what is a church? We're in the kingdom of God. This is a kingdom outpost. And here's the thing. We can get the message of Jesus out to people who desperately need to hear it. We can and we get to do acts of service in our community. We can feed the hungry. We can be the church that brings revival and breakthrough in our area. And as we move, we can move together. And we can go far. And it's not just for fun. It's not just to keep us busy. But I believe God has doors for us to open. Well, God does the, the door opening, but you know what I mean. God has doors for us to open. The, the reason we want to be a church of soul strengtheners, a church of gospel encouragement, a church under the guidance of multiple leaders working together is because there is really big ministry opportunities that God has set before us. Check out verse 26. It says, Paul and Barnabas, they, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. So now it's like full circle. They are back at Antioch where it all started. Verse 27. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and they reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. That was an incredible missions Sunday. You don't want to miss that. 12 to 18 months of hearing the missionary report of everything that God had done. God has opened up a door of faith to the nations. And then it says that Paul and Barnabas, they, they stayed there with the disciples a long time. The traveling through Asia Minor, planting house churches, Preaching the gospel. Working through the tribulations and the frustrating stuff, the annoying stuff. But also the hospitality and the good things they experienced and the encouragement, the work of the ministry. All of this is to open doors of faith 
to introduce people to Jesus, to invite them into the gospel. So now as we reflect, as we are reminded that it is by the grace of God that we get to do ministry here, it is by the grace of God that we get to call ourselves church. Let us put before us a concrete goal. Concrete goal. We do have a concrete goal. And let me frame it up as question three. To whom does God need to open a door? Because we're on mission. Our concrete goal is to get the message of Jesus out there. To see lives change. To see breakthrough. May God use Plymouth Meeting Church to throw the door of faith wide open so that all the people in Philadelphia and beyond can come flooding into the kingdom of God. May we be the heralds of the doorway of faith in Jesus. And may we listen to Paul and Barnabas and know that, yeah, as we, as we do this, we might hit a snag. We might hit a flat tire. We might feel dismayed. There are powers and evils that do not want us to be successful. And as we do ministry, pedaling, pedaling that bike, that ministry bike, it might get harder and harder. But hopefully, there's a soul strengthener there who can come and help us out. So let me ask again, who can you be a soul strengthener to this week? Let us also recognize this morning that churches do have leaders. Within the family of God, there's people who, by the grace of God, help lead. So let's recognize that not all leaders are the same. There's different types of leaders. Some lead up front. Some from the side or in the middle. Some lead in the back. And we need all of them. But still, the question remains, how can you help them? How can you support them? Let us acknowledge together this morning, church, we do have a concrete goal set before us. We want to see the door of faith open. We want to see the door of faith swing wide open. Plymouth meeting, Philadelphia, and beyond. We want to see the door of faith open. May this be our vision, our dream, our drive.